This is the Concealed Carry Podcast, Season 9, Episode 22. And welcome to the Concealed Carry Podcast, part of the ConcealedCarry.com network, brought to you by HK. Today is Friday, February 2nd, 2024, as of the recording of this episode. In case you're not catching this live, we, of course, go out live on YouTube and Facebook. uh, But many of you are probably listening to the podcast as published on our podcast feed, uh, available on all the popular podcasting apps, Spotify, uh, Audible, uh, TuneIn Radio. I think we're even on iHeartRadio, and they're little podcast feature now as well so check it out if you're uh, if you try to catch these live that's always cool but you can always just make sure you download and listen to the latest episode on your favorite podcast player i am of course your host riley bowman and today joined by our producer brian doc mclaughlin that's it hey dude what's up it's been a long couple of weeks here uh just got done with shot show shot show last week this week's been a lot of playing catch up. Mm-hmm. In fact, I'm still not caught up. <laughs> I'm impressed we're getting this podcast done. To be honest, it's been a kind of a crazy week. It, yes, I mean we were going to do it Wednesday, and something got in the way of that, and then we couldn't do it yesterday because something got in the way of that. Uh, and here we are, Friday. Here we are. We're doing it. <clears throat> we're doing it. That's right. So had a great shot show. Uh, met a lot of cool people. Did a lot of fun things. Uh, Hopefully, some business deals happening. I think we got some things done and have some more in the works. So, and those of you that we happened to see while we were there, thank you for stopping by and seeing us. Uh, it was a good time. So, today's episode, we're we're actually doing something a little bit different. Um, I think it started kind of with an idea of yours and grew into something else. And I said, you know, I think this could be almost like a series of, of episodes. I don't know if we're going to do these back to back to back. Probably not because we have like next week will be our justified. Actually, it would have been. Yeah. Had we done this one on Wednesday, this episode, it would be the last day of the month. Technically, we're into February now. Yep. But usually the first episode of each month is our justified saves episode, which is uh, continues to be one of the more popular uh, episodes. People love to hear and listen to defensive gun use stories and, and in our, in our, of course, our analysis of those stories. Um, but uh, that'll be next week's episode. Yeah. But this series we are talking about, this is, this is what we're calling the uncensored beginner's guide to training, mm-hmm. sort of all the things that we wish we would have known when we were just kind of getting new or getting into this when we were little babies, little training, you know, gun fighting babies, gun fighting babies. <laughs> I love that image. Uh, so that's kind of the idea here is what are all the things that we wish we could share with you, our listeners and viewers that, uh, things we've learned over the years. And, you know, if, we, if you're starting from the, from the, from the get go, you've never even taken a formal training class before. Here's what we'd like you to know. Yeah, I mean, we've we've been you and I have been training for a fair number of years. Mm-hmm. We've gone to uh, get instruction from a lot of different high quality instructors throughout the industry, and I think that's one of the things I notice pretty often with new shooters is they don't really understand 
how to train yeah. a, a, in the best possible way for you to get the most benefit for your money. I mean, a lot of this training and the time and the gear that goes into it is expensive. You want to return on that investment. You know, what are the best practices for making the most of all of your training? Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. And so today's episode in this uncensored beginner's guide to training, we're calling this the class. So the idea of, you know, locating a, a, an instructor, choosing a, a good class or a course that you're going to take. Uh, what are the th- things that you want to have in mind with respect to that? Uh, what's the right mindset and, and frame of mind to go into training and taking training courses? Uh, and so that's the focus of today's episode. And, and in fact, today's episode is sponsored by on our website, you could actually sign up for training classes all over the country. We have instructors in like, I don't know, 27 states or something like that. And we're always trying to add more. Um, and a lot of those are concealed carry type classes, but there's some good defensive pistol courses and there's 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 actually being added now uh, some other uh, really great courses by a few instructors. Like I, I know I saw uh, like a less lethal class or an OC spray type class. I teach classes like my perform you know we call them performance pistol classes which are really about the efficiency of shooting and how to get better just at shooting not necessarily getting into the tactics side of things you can find all my classes listed on class.concealedcarry.com um and anything i think brian you do i think we try to make sure we get up like you you did a class c2 tactical in arizona last month or so ago maybe two months ago now um and might have some more coming up this year as well so anyway Please check our calendar, class.concealedcarry.com, to consider finding your next training course, and hopefully a location near you. And also today's episode brought to you by the 2024 Guardian Conference. Because again, talking about training, well, guess what? One great place of getting a training would be the Guardian Conference. Guardianconference.com place to go for that maybe more on that later on in the episode uh, there is something that's kind of exciting uh we're gonna have a new class at this year's garden conference something new and different that hasn't happened there before uh you want to mention that real quick shotguns yeah so defensive shotgun course is going to be available at the 2024 guardian conference taught by uh, one of my favorite instructors eric galhaus uh, he taught for us the conference this last year uh, all pistol stuff is what he taught and, and also some low light stuff but Eric is uh, well known and well regarded for his experience and knowledge and, in teaching shotguns and so we're going to have a shotgun course available at the 2024 Guardian Conference for the first time ever. That's going to be cool I know, I, pistols are cool but I've done a lot of pistol training. I need to do more shotgun, more rifle, and that kind of stuff. I mean, that pistols seem to be like the thing that you're going to use the most often, you know, usually yep. in defensive situations. But uh, I love the idea of being able to run a shotgun and a rifle really well. And at the Active Self-Protection Conference that we did last year, or maybe it was the year before that, uh, John Korea, he was putting on a, a tactical shotgun class. Yep. And he calls shotguns handheld claymores. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So <laughs> I think that's kind of funny. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it absolutely is. It's a great way of thinking of it. Uh, you know, I think the shotgun absolutely is still today a viable defensive tool, especially in, especially in home defense. Uh, so it's good to learn how to use that better and more effectively. And Eric will teach you how to do that. I'll also let you know that this year's Guardian Conference, we will also have another first, which will be a uh, carbine course, like an AR-15 carbine course uh, taught by Tyler Tharp 
who uh, was an assistant instructor at the conference last year. Tyler is really passionate about teaching shooting with a carbine. And Tyler will get you dialed in really quickly on running a carbine well. Uh, again, more geared towards AR-15. We know have a lot of our folks have interest in that. Uh, I imagine you could probably show up with other carbines as well, but uh, uh, probably more, most of you have show up with an AR. So check that out, guys. The 2024 Guardian Conference at guardianconference.com. You want to get signed up, get your tickets now. Okay, don't wait too long. And if any of these courses excite you, then yeah, you should get after it. Uh, the, the, the thing is, I think our conference will always be more geared towards the pistol side, more geared towards concealed carry type related issues. Uh, after all, we are concealedcarry.com. However, it's not just about the pistol. Uh, and, and this is not called the concealed carry conference. It's called the guardian conference. So we want to make all of you better, more prepared, guardians and that involves all kinds of tools of defense that's why there's also oc spray classes legal classes hand-to-hand combatives courses force on force etc etc there's there's actually more than that so check it out guys hope to see you there let's get into our topic so brian the uncensored beginner's guide to training the class meaning in the future you'll probably hear us talk about things like what do we do now at the range? What do we do in dry fire? What do we do? I don't know. What's the other thing we were talking about? Anyway, today though, we're focusing more on mindset. Um, you know, how to, how to approach training, especially when attending training courses. Uh, what's the best way to prepare yourself for training courses? Also a little bit on maybe some ways that you can evaluate prospective instructors you might want to work with or mm-hmm. courses you might want to take. So there's important considerations there and we want to help you learn from, uh, in some cases, mistakes made, you know? And so what's the best way to approach this? Where do you want to start? <clears throat> I think mindset, um, like how to show up for class is like one of the best parts. Yeah. You know, we can get into the weed about weeds about, uh, you know, gear and all that kind of stuff. But I think having a good mindset when you're approaching how to learn, especially in an environment like, um, you know, the gun world where it can be kind of dangerous and uh, their tempers can be kind of short and people can be very nervous, you know, going into a lot of these situations. And so I think if you approach it with the proper mindset and how you're going to listen to your instructor and also try to keep as much of that information as possible i think that's where we're going to be at yeah so i mean what do you think would be some of the important mindset type pieces of this first thing that pops off at my head is being okay with failure um pretty often i see people um they beat themselves up so much because they didn't do something right um and a lot of you know a lot of going through life is giving yourself the grace to know that you know i haven't done this that much you know, right. and I made a mistake and that's okay. And a lot of times you'll be performing, you know, say you're on the range and you'll be performing a shooting drill in front of all of your friends and your, all your peers and all the people you respect sit there and they get to watch you fail, right. <laughs> you know, and that right. can be very difficult for a lot of people who aren't used to failure. You know, um, I, one of the things that I really enjoy about training and training very hard is reaching those failure points, you know, seeing where my limitations are and recognizing that. Um, so I've become very comfortable with that in my own 
personal philosophy. And that's helped me kind of conquer a lot of that initial issues with learning a new skill. So I would say, you know, failure is the, is the top thing that kind of pops off of me. Yeah. You know, practice being okay with it. Right. Fail, look stupid, but try to get better. You Be, know, being okay with failure. Uh, it's part of learning. In fact, I think that in large part, our experience as humans in this thing we call life is about failure. Because, I mean, failure is, I think it's the principal way we learn. I don't think it's the only way we have to learn, but I think it's a huge vehicle by which we learn uh, life lessons Mm -hmm. is failure. I think there's far more to be gained from learning from failure than from learning from successes. Yeah, there's something to be said for, hey, I did a thing and it went well. So that kind of tells me, well, let's keep doing that same thing, right? Because in theory, then that should mean that it'll continue to go well. Um, However, there's times where it's like, well, I did a thing and it didn't work at all, you know, in some cases. And so what, why didn't it work? What, where did it go wrong? What did I do wrong? And that's, I think, where some of the most valuable lessons in life, in shooting, in self-defense come from, is from the failures and not from, you know, doing something and, get, and always getting it right. And in fact, and that's where the one, where one of the problems therein lies is, you know, we can be afraid of failure a lot of times. And so we may have a tendency to try to stay where it's safe, where we kind of already know. I mean, think of it this way, you know, we're, we're, we're trying to learn personal defense and shooting and all these things. And there's a certain body of knowledge you already exist. It's like you're in this dark room, right? And you, you have a flashlight or whatever. Right. And so, so there's this little bit that you can, that you can see that's illuminated and you're like, ah, you know, this is what I know. And this is where I'm comfortable. And if, uh, and these are the things I, I know how to do. And if I do those things, I do them well. And then venturing outside of that into the dark uh, is uncomfortable because you don't know what's there. You don't know how to do it. Maybe you don't even know how to get there sometimes. And, and so, you know, you're afraid of doing that because you don't know what you don't know. And that also brings with it a risk that you're going to make a mistake and fail. And nobody likes making mistakes. However, if you don't go out into that darkness, you won't discover what's there. Mm-hmm. And, and you will, and you will then only stay within this little cone of, you know, comfort, so to speak. Yeah. I like that a cone of comfort. And so it's, you know, we, we got to be about broadening that cone, you know, so, but doing so does bring with it inherent risk of making mistakes along the way. But we learn from those and we go, Ooh, now I know it's out here. And now this cone of light that surrounds me is now bigger and broader, uh, more defined, And I mean, that's just, that's, I think it's absolutely essential. There's I'm going to piggyback off of where you started the conversation, Brian, as far as talking about failure and like, Hey, embrace it, be okay with it. Understand it's going to happen. Again, this is the uncensored, meaning this, we're trying to give you everything that, you know, as we were planning for this, it's like, okay, let's, let's write that down. Let's write that down. We want to try to give you all these lessons, all these things uh, with respect to, training and taking classes. Um, Along with what you said, I think a common mistake or misconception that people make or have is, well, I already know things like because they were in the military once upon a time, they were in law enforcement or they are in law enforcement or, you know, because they just grew up around guns their whole life and hunted and all these things. And they've, you know, they've certainly fired pistols, you know, 
on Uncle Bob's farm or whatever. And they're like, yeah, I, I'm good. I already know what I'm doing. Uh, and so the problem there is, is that you allow this ego to get in your way of venturing into doing, you know, more and, and learning more and doing more things. And I think that's also tied to in, in large, in many respects to this idea of not wanting to fail. In fact, that's what I, where the students I've had that I th- I see as having the biggest problem with embracing failure, which again is it's not really embracing failure. It's really embracing learning that comes as a result of that failure. A lot of people that struggle the most with that are I'm not, not to single them out as the only you know people that fit this this uh, uh, you know this this mold, but but they are definitely one I see a handful of times a year where I see a cop, somebody that's experienced, been on the job for, you know, eight, 10, 12 years. They've certainly been through handgun or pistol training. And here they're taking a pistol shooting course for me. And Hey, they bring along with them this, this sense of self of this is who I am. I'm an experienced cop. I have life experience. I have street experience. I have cop experience. And, you know, They've already made a big step by showing up in my class to begin with. But then when it's like, hey, I want you to push yourself to this failure point. That's a lot of where what my class explores, honestly, are where are your limits? Because we need to learn what those limits are and then try to push through or beyond them. Because then that's where the learning and the growth occurs. I, you can't do that if you don't have if you don't have your ego in check. Exactly, I, I've run into that a ton of times. Um, not so much from the cop side of things, but the military. You know, where we're like, "Hey, I'm in the mil- I was in the military. You can't teach me anything." I'm like, well, I mean, things have changed a little bit. You know, since when you were in. Yeah. You know, I've talked to lots of guys who were. You know, they were in um, during in the 70s or something like that. And I'm like, well, gunfighting has changed a lot. Since the seventies, you know, there's a lot of new things that you should probably pay attention to, you know, and they start to get this ego built up because here they have this identity. I'm a veteran, you know, I'm this tough guy. And I, I get that personally, you know, um, I feel very much like I'm an, I'm a high level shooter. I'm a combat vet. I've been shooting and hunting my entire life. I shoot competition. I'm a high level shooter, but sometimes I'm in a range and the instructor will come up and adjust something on me. And, you know, at some point I'm like, Hey, I don't need adjusting, you know, because I've done this enough. And I have to check my own ego and be like, no, yeah. shut up, you dork. <laughs> Sit here <laughs> and listen to this because this is important. You know, mm-hmm. re- relearning the fundamentals, even as a high level shooter is always a, you know, a productive thing to do. Yeah. Well, I mean, we were just having a conversation not even an hour ago about uh, grip on a short you know, grip pistol. Mm-hmm. I'm just curious. So was there anything that I shared with you that was like, oh, okay. Or. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You showed me a new grip style. Um, so you were showing me the new HK with the uh, the short. The VP9SK. VP9SK. So it's got a short grip on it. Mm-hmm. And when it's got a flush mag in it, you can't get your pinky on there. So I was like, hey, how are you handling this whole pinky thing? Because I had knew, known a technique from long time ago where you cross your pinkies and you showed me your way and I like your way better. So Yeah. 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 I mean, that's uh, and I appreciate that about you. And that's something I try to uh, embody as well personally, uh, as an experienced and as an experienced, uh, as an instructor and as an experienced, you know, say even a competition shooter, um, heck, I was just shooting a match last night here locally. Uh, I'm always, I'm always trying to, 
it's not easy because there's definitely, you know, a point where you sort of, you, you gain a certain amount of experience where it, it's hard to push yourself out, you know, outside of that. Uh, but I, it is an attitude I try to embody as far as I truly, I mean, it's part of the reason I've gotten to even where I am now skill wise is because I've just tried to have this attitude of always seeking more knowledge, more light, more information, more, you know, what's the best way where possible. And there's not, there's certainly things where there's not only one answer, let's say, but, but it's always about what is the best way to do a certain thing? You know what I mean? And that's not easy, but it is, I think, necessary for growth. And so we're all at different points along the way and along the journey. Many of you uh, watching or listening to this, I mean, you may be what would be described as, an, as a beginner because after all, this is the uncensored beginner's guide to training. Uh, maybe you're more experienced, but either way, uh, it's not that you have to be exactly where we are as we're discussing this, but the idea is to just approach it from a place of, especially when I show up in another instructor's class and I still believe in and try where possible to take training from other instructors, uh, I, I, I would like to think that I will never stop um, at least trying to find, you know, at least taking classes from other people, trying to find those opportunities are, are harder, getting harder and harder for me to, to find, uh, partly because my own personal schedule is filling up with teaching classes and attending training conferences and other industry events. But uh, like I was just talking the other day with somebody about attending a class that's not even scheduled for this year, it's actually next year. And I'm thinking, okay, I might be able to make that happen planning a year out in advance. Um, it's it's from a highly respected instructor I've never trained with before. Um, but the point is, is if I'm able to make that happen, I'm going to show up that class and I'm going to go, you know what? Try to put everything else aside that I already think I know. I'm in this person's class. I deserve not only for out of respect for them, but also for myself. I deserve to try to simply um, be pliable you know, in their hands. Like, it's like, they're the master. I'm there to learn from them. It's like, 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 you know, clay. I, w I want to be pliable in their hands because even if I don't walk away from that class, uh, putting into practice all the things that they taught and the exactly the way they did it, it's still important to at least expose yourself to that, give it a fair shake because that's honestly where I've learned some things over the years where it's like, I kind of already thought I knew this. Mm -hmm. And then because I was willing to give it a chance, tried somebody else's other way or approach. And then I'm like, Oh wow. Mm -hmm. You know, and I would never have figured that out had I not been brave and uh, vulnerable actually. In I, that regard. I think, uh, you know, I think the most important thing there is you brain flush, yeah. but you know, you totally, I, I've been training a lot with a lot of different people. I'm a decent shooter. And sometimes, you know, that instructor will tell me, you know, Hey, you need to do this, this, or this. And in my mind, I'll be like, I don't know, that doesn't seem right to me. I don't really like the way that that sounds, you know, and that kind of thing. And I'll have this initial reaction of like, I don't want to do it, yeah. but because I've wiped my brain, you know, I'm here to learn their technique for doing this. I need yep. to experiment. You know, I got to try out that technique and I got to have a totally flushed brain, you know, so I can try this for real and see if I like it and give it a good shake. You know, don't just try it once and like, nah, hey, try it a couple of times, you know, try it from a couple of different angles, you know, figure out what he is that he's dealing with. And then you can kind of, you know, decide for yourself whether or not to incorporate yeah. it into your own personal philosophies. Yep. Very good. As a follow-up to that, I'm going to hit on another point that you listed here in our notes. Um, 
I think one way that at least helps me to sort of do that, you know, brain flush and like, okay, I'm in a new context, trying to learn new things from somebody I've never worked with before. Let's say, um, how do I achieve that? Well, note taking is super big for me. I, I try to take very copious notes when I'm in a training course. Um, these days, I used to bring a notepad, but it's just so much easier and less complex for me. Plus, I'm pretty fast at typing on my phone. Uh, so I'll just use my phone for notes in classes a lot of times now. I mean, it's right there. It's in my pocket. It's one less thing I have to carry as far as I don't have to have a notepad on me now as well. Uh, but I do, I, I want to mention as a tip, I'll, I'll speak with the instructor at the start of class or before class and just say, hey, just I just want to let you know, I am here 100% to focus on what you're teaching me. Um, you will probably look at me and think that maybe I'm just like texting or on social media or something on my phone, but but I promise you I'm here 100% and I'm, I'm just taking notes uh, and I'm using my phone to do that. And they're like, they're usually like, yeah, that's cool. No problem. You know, thanks for letting me know. Uh, I appreciate that. I mean, I see students in some of my classes sometimes that I, I believe they're t- taking notes on their phone, but I don't always know for sure because they, you know, I just don't know. And then maybe they haven't said, you know, what the, exactly their, their intent is with, with using their phone during a class. I think that is a respectful thing to do to just kind of like, Hey, I've taken notes on my phone. I'm letting you know, that's what I'll be doing. Um, then I'm not as distracted from it as, as an instructor thinking, man, have I lost this person as a student? Like, you know, I'm, I'm not reaching them in some way. I'm failing, you know, I'm failing as an instructor because whatever I'm teaching is not interesting enough. So they're off playing on their phone or whatever. But, Anyway, all that to say that uh, to to kind of build off of this, you know, opening up your mind and being receptive to new ideas, for me, what helps is making one of my jobs uh, to uh, just, just take the best notes that I can. So I'm just getting it all down and I can also further, you know, continue to think on it. But what are your it, thoughts on note taking? It helps you stay more engaged. I know for myself, I tend to drift off into the ether, you know, <laughs> I, I, especially if it's death by PowerPoint, you know, I start mm-hmm. sitting down, it's, maybe it's right after lunch and I'm starting to like nod off. I'm not going to be paying attention, you know, so yeah. pretty, I have to have my own techniques for keeping me, myself engaged and taking notes is one of those because it encourages me to actually be doing something. Um, I prefer doing it on, uh, on a pen and paper because then I get to, you know, have that physical movement across the page kind of helps me kind of like a um, yeah. fidget toy in yeah. a way. I can respect that. Totally. Yeah. So I think, yeah, note-taking, I mean, uh, it's important for you to stay engaged so that you're learning the material as it's presented, but also it gives you a reference point for if you need to ask a question. So say, you know, the the instructor is talking about something you can write down in your notes. You can come back to that when there's a moment of pause or maybe even after the class. Uh, some of the best conversations I have uh, with my students is after the class, you know, when they mm-hmm. like, hey, you said a thing. I just need some clarification on that. You know, I love that because I get to come, they get to come up. I teach them a whole new class, you know, based on that clarification. So I think that helps you to stay engaged. You know, how do you keep yourself awake? Um, That's Mm -hmm. usually the hardest thing for me. You know, as soon as I sit down, we're in a class room setting. If I'm up on the range and I'm walking around, like there's no big deal. As soon as I sit down, I'm, you know, (laughs) full from lunch. It's nice and warm. The instructor's voice is very soothing and I'm soon I'm, I'm ready to pass out. <laughs> so I think little techniques that you might be able to use to kind of keep yourself awake. I know some people will chew gum. Um, that's a way of like kind of keeping yourself awake a little bit. But for myself, I like to stand up 
and move to the back of the class so I'm not distracting. Um, but then I'll just stand the entire class because otherwise I'll just pass straight out. Um, and that's the only way that I can kind of pay attention. I mean, that comes from the military because like if you fall asleep in class, you know, you're dead, you know, so they, they don't like that so much. So common practice, stand up, you go to the back of the class. If they catch you nodding off, you know, that's, that's a no go. So yeah. I, I think that's what I use the most to kind of keep myself engaged in the material. If it's not, you know, incredibly yeah. exciting, yeah. you know, that's how I kind of pay attention. Yeah. I mean, obviously I, I, we're not talking about this from the instructor's side so much, but uh, it's incumbent upon us as instructors to be good instructors, to be engaging, to be interesting, to keep students involved and engaged in, in the subject matter and the content that's being uh, taught or, or learned. Uh, but even then, even when I, I, I have been in those situations too, I mean, long days on the range, uh, a hearty meal, uh, whatever it is. And even when it's a class you're excited about and, and the teach and the instructor's a great teacher, uh, there, there are still those times where you're just like, oh, you know. That's me every yeah, time. Yeah, I get it doesn't that. matter what it is. I could be super excited about the class. I could love the instructor. I just get a little warm, sit down, and I just start going to sleep. You know, <laughs> um, if I catch somebody doing that in my class, though, I throw a tourniquet at them. So <laughs> keep them awake. But, you know, I like what you said as far as, I mean, you can, you can stand up, uh, stay on your feet. Uh, no taking, I agree. That absolutely helps me. Uh, Stay, stay more alert and awake. So 100%. Um, maybe consume more caffeine if you got to or whatever it is you got to do uh, so you can stay engaged. Engagement for you as a learner is important. Uh, and and you, you, the fact is, even even when you think you've selected a, a good instructor, uh, I, and I've been in classes where instructors are fantastic on the range. Fantas- and they absolutely have lots to share and lots to be gained from, uh, but they're just not as engaging or as, it, as, I don't know what the right word would be, but I guess that's probably the best one. They're just not as engaging in the classroom type setting. And they may have some material that needs to be covered in a classroom setting. And so it just is what it is. You know, I try to, uh, you know, cut them some slack and extend some grace to them that, you know what? I mean, because they still have a, a world and a wealth of knowledge to share with me, and they're f- amazing at what they do, and they're amazing on the range, and it just is what it is. So do what you got to do to stay awake, but it's important that you do so. Um, to that point, talk about good instructors. That's I think this is a good segue into that a little bit as far as how do we choose a you know, if we're talking about training and what we wish we knew when we were first just getting started in, in training and taking classes, how do we choose good instructors? Hmm. What are your thoughts question. on that? Uh, well, I, I don't know. I mean, now I feel like I've got a pretty good understanding of all the instructors that are out there. I think pretty often I'll look at their credentials, you know, like where do they come from? How have they learned these skills and that kind of thing? Although um, I have taken many classes from people who have no law enforcement or military background, and they are incredibly well put together classes, very knowledgeable people. Mm-hmm. Um, so sometimes I'll get people who are like, you know, I'm never taking a class from somebody who's not, you know, spec ops, something or other, you know, right. and I'm like, that's stupid. Um, there's a lot of information to be gained out there. There's a lot of very smart people who are studying this stuff very closely. Um, so um, that's never a catalyst for me anymore. Um, so I think a lot for me is like, 
everybody's got social media, go out there, consume yeah. their content, yeah. learn what they're, who's saying it about them. You know, what are other people in the industry saying about that person yeah. kind of a thing, you know, um, reading the comments is always good, yeah. uh, to a degree, you know, because you get a lot of knuckleheads in there, <laughs> but a lot of times they'll be asking questions and then you'll get an opportunity to hear that, uh, instructor respond to those questions, you know? Um, yeah. So I think that's might be a way. Yeah. That's good. Good stuff. I, for me, you know, and this is something I've thought quite a bit about, and I, I'm sure I've even mentioned this on the podcast uh, a time or two over the years. I can't tell you exactly when. And I know that Jacob and I are very similarly aligned in this regard. Uh, but for me, one of the most important traits in an instructor, a good, like I think a mark of a good instructor or a good teacher is someone that embodies some of the things we've already talked about, such as not getting stuck in their ways, being willing to continue to learn, uh, and not having an ego, right? Being open to new ideas. In other words, an instructor that is continuing to learn themselves. If you get an instructor with uh, an ego problem, like that's a bad, like sometimes people are like, oh, he deserves to have that ego. You know, he's here. He's the instructor. <laughs> right, he's the sure. guy on top. Like, no, like if you know some of these legit, dudes these high high level instructors incredibly like no ego on these guys you know yeah. they are happy to learn anything new you know they'll tell you if they think you're wrong but if you tell them something they haven't heard before they love it yeah i agree and so I, I, the reason i think it's a mark of a good instructor is because uh i think i mean what i i actually probably a better way of explaining it is the the instructors that i have seen or witnessed that were not my favorite were those where it was quite apparent that they at some point had determined in their own journey that, oh, I know enough, I'm good enough, I'm experienced enough, and they sort of stop, they just stop learning. They oh, stop growing. Oh, interesting. Right. And so then what happens is, well, their curriculum begins to go stale, mm -hmm. dated. Uh, that's when you come across an instructor that's still teaching stuff that, well, maybe was relevant 20, 30, 40 years ago, but in today's world we know is, you know, either has been disproven or there's just simply been better ways that, you know, have been discovered or shown. Um, those are instructors that tend to um, not respond as well to student questions, especially questions that are kind of out in left field. Because they won't know the answer. Yeah. And they'll, because of their ego, they don't want to look stupid in front right. of their class right. and they have this identity of being a high level instructor. And so, yeah, yep. it's just a snowball. Yep. They're also, they tend to be instructors that tend to make the class more about them mm -hmm. rather than what's being taught and trying to get that transferred over to the student. Mm -hmm. And so in other words, what I just described is a lot of what I don't like to see in an instructor. And so what I have found is a, is a defining factor in a, an instructor that avoids those tendencies are those that continue to learn and grow themselves that just, they continue to seek, uh, what's the word, uh, excellence. They, they, they pursue excellence, mm -hmm. excellence in what they know, excellence in what they do, excellence in what they teach. Someone that continues to learn is also continuing to learn how to improve their teaching. I, it seems like to me when I when I meet these guys that are on just like <clears throat> I would consider myself to be a combat expert, but I have met combat masters. Oh yeah, and there's a right. huge difference between an expert and a master. Like the, compared to like the common citizen, like I'm way above that common citizen. But 
the master level combat guys that I've met are just at a totally different level. And the reason why they are so uh, without ego is because they're so driven to learn everything they possibly can that them having an ego would get in the way of them getting better. So they are so dedicated to their craft. They don't care. They don't have an ego. They're like, teach me everything that you know. Um, I will learn everything possible because I want to get better. Yep. Ego-driven people tend to be uh, more interested in proving things, like proving who they are and Mm. proving what they know. This is true. Non-egotistical people or non-ego-driven people uh, tend to be very comfortable in, the, in, in who they are and in, in their skin and not afraid of failure, not afraid of learning. Uh, and those are the people I love associating with. I mm-hmm. mean, like you, I've met some, some combat masters and with few exceptions, they are really, really legit, cool people <laughs> that are incredible. Like no, the number one thing that like a word that pops into my, my head right now, thinking about this is confidence. Mm-hmm. Because they know who they are and what they're about. And it's not because of ego. It's because they understand um, they understand what they know really well. And they also and what that tells them is it, it, it helps them understand that there's a lot they still don't know. And that's it's an interesting little bounce because it's really easy to swing, like to, to go from confidence in knowing who you are and what you know. And also a little bit about what you don't know. It's re- it's it's really easy to go from confidence and go into overconfidence, egotistical. Into what's another good word um, that I'm looking for? Um, it just where like you can't be wrong. You know, it's just I, there's a, there's a word that's not quite coming to my tongue. But you know, like there's a difference between confidence and just like flat out being a jerk mm-hmm. in some cases too. Yeah, uh, arrogance. Arrogant. There we go. Yeah, that's what I was looking for. Is arrogant. Yeah, from, from confidence to arrogance. Mm-hmm. Yep, you nailed it. Yeah, I think uh, once you have people who have that, um, the ego aspect is so hard because I mean, I, <laughs> I had to grow up at some point. You know, um, I feel like I've got a reasonable handle on my ego now, but for a long time, especially as a younger dude, you know, I had to prove to everybody around me. You know, like, hey, uh, I'm a tough guy. I had to prove it to myself. And if somebody told me, hey, you're not a tough guy, but hey, I got to prove to you I'm a tough guy. But now I've proven enough times to myself that I'm tough enough. Now, if somebody says that to me, I just smile. Whereas before that might've been a fight because I got (laughs) to, I got to prove this to you, right? Like, why do you got to prove that? I've proven that enough times to myself. And I think that's when you get those high level instructors, you know, the ones who are insecure, uh, they haven't proven it to themselves and they feel like they've got to prove it over and over and over again to everybody around them or else they don't have that identity. Yeah. 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 Very good. I've got some more thoughts that I think I want to come back to here in a bit uh, with regard to, uh, we, we were just spending some time talking about choosing a good instructor. Um, I want to p- pivot to that again a little bit later, talk about choosing the right classes for you, for you know where you are, what you're trying to learn and achieve. So we'll come, we'll kind of put a pin in that part of the discussion. Um, but uh, there's a couple of, things that I want to throw out there really quick. And I think you've got a couple of things that you can throw out really quick that are just like really good little tidbits of kind of best practices or uh, tips on what to do or what not to do. And the first thing I was going to say with respect to um, 
going to classes, taking classes. Uh, I talked earlier about taking notes and I also talked about letting instructor know like, Hey, if, if you're on, if I'm on my phone taking notes, I like to give them a heads up. That's what I'm doing um, out of, out of a show of respect. The other thing is it is a good idea to ask an instructor if it's okay to take photos and or videos during their class. Um, they have the right, I, I, I feel, uh, even if you're in a public space or whatever, like whatever, regardless of what the law says, from just a respect standpoint, uh, and I, I think even an ethical ethical one to an extent, it's it's a good idea to say, hey, is it, you know, what's your rules or what what's your expectation as far as us as, as as students or attendees of your class with respect to taking photos or videos of the class and or its content. Mm. Um, some instructors don't necessarily want to see their stuff put out there all over social media. Uh, and some of the, and, and not necessarily because they're hiding anything. Um, although I do think that exists as well. I think there are some instructors that say no videos in my class because they, they sort of subconsciously know that some of what they're teaching may not be totally correct or that, it, you know, there's some BS mixed in there somewhere mm. and they don't want to get, called out on that. Mm -hmm. But I think for a lot of like your quality instructors that I, where I do know there's a few of these that would be in this category where they're an excellent instructor. I, you know, respect the heck out of them, but maybe they don't want things filmed and, and for public consumption in particular, because context may be missing. And that sometimes actually it happens quite often where you'll see little clips that somebody posts out on social media and when it's not taken or viewed in the full context of how it's presented in class, it can be misinterpreted by those that end up viewing it that have no sense or understanding for, you know, where it's coming from or where the instructor's coming from. And so I totally get and understand and respect that. Um, I've personally had the, the policy as an instructor to, um, I'm just like, guys, whatever pictures, videos, whatever you take, especially for personal use, like just for them to use. I, I definitely am like, yeah, that is not a problem. You take all the videos, all the photos you want in my classes with me. If it's for personal use, don't care. No, no problem whatsoever. I do then add the caveat. If you're going to put things out there publicly, I, not that I'm saying you have to, but I appreciate when you let me know that you're going to do that or, or when you're going to post something up. Um, if anything, for me to have the opportunity to review and make sure there's not going to be something that's missed contextually. Mm. It's not about, I'm, I'm not trying to like, you know, some guys get the attitude of trying to protect their curriculum because, you know, well, Hey, why would people come and train with me if my curriculum just gets proliferated out, you know, throughout the world via social media or through YouTube or whatever. I don't view it like that at all. In fact, I have only wanted to take classes more from certain instructors because they were free with the content they put out on social media and on YouTube, because then that allowed me to get introduced to them. And it was part of that evaluation of how am I choosing a good instructor here? I want to know what they're about. Mm -hmm. I want to know how they teach. I want to know, uh, you know, the, the, the personality they have. I want to try to, you know, de determine for myself, is this an instructor as we, established earlier in this episode that I feel is continually trying to improve themselves. I can get a sense for that with how they present things and how they talk and how they teach. And the fact that I, that I came across a video from Scott Jelinski, let's say, you know, who's been quite free with what is posted out there uh, from his classes. It's like, Oh wow. I like that. I want to train with that guy now versus the other attitude. Like I said, where some instructors don't want videos or photos of their classes 
being out there in the public because they're afraid that that's it's going to get stolen by other instructors or that students will go, oh, I saw that. Uh, I don't need to go train with that guy. Yeah. Guess what? Those students that feel that way, and this we're talking about what you should know as a as a student just getting into taking classes, things like that. Uh, so this is this. There's a little bit of a subtle hint here. Those students that have that attitude of, oh, I saw that guy's stuff online already, so I already, you know, I don't need to go train with him now. Those are not the, those are not the students that you want anyway. Yeah. Promise you. Now, when you're talking about like uh, instructors um, protecting their curriculum, um, I've had some students come up and ask me if I can send them the PowerPoint. Mm-hmm. And I don't mind that at all. I mean, like if, yeah. if it saves somebody's life because they want to learn more or share it with somebody else, then that, I'm cool with that. Yeah. Um, how do you feel about that? I, well, I don't teach currently. Well, I mean, every once in a while I do a concealed carry class here locally. Uh, that does have PowerPoint slides. Uh, I'm not opposed to sharing that with students. Um, but my pistol intelligence course, which is what I te- teach the most, most of these days, that I actually have zero slides in that whole class, uh, quite intentionally for a variety of reasons that I won't go into necessarily because you know, not necessary. But uh, I think that that's another good tip for beginners just getting into taking classes and training. Um, feel free to ask the instructor, hey, you shared some slides in class. Is it Would it be all right if I got a copy of those? Uh, I think it's a noble thing. I think it's a good thing uh, when instructors will share resources like that to students, especially for them to refer to after the class, because I think it helps reinforce the learning process for them to review some of those things. Because it might be three months, six months, a year down the road. They're like, oh, yeah, that power. Oh, you know, and they start reviewing that PowerPoint from that class. And, and then oh yeah, that's right. And, you know, and then they're remembering things that they learned that maybe they forgot about, or maybe during the last three, six, 12 months of them putting into practice what they learned in your class, maybe now they've got a little bit of a different perspective and now they review your PowerPoint and they go, Ooh, and they have other realizations they might not have other had otherwise had before, because now they're in a different, you know, kind of, they're, they're in a different place Mm -hmm. uh, mentally and, and with respect to their knowledge. So what do I think? Um, if the instructor does not want to sh- share their PowerPoints, you should respect that. And that's totally okay. It's their, it's their prerogative. But I definitely think you guys should ask for that. Um, and, you know, because if they're like, yeah, sure, no problem. Like, like that's your approach. Great. Awesome. That's a good resource for you to have as a student. And if this instructor's like, mm, sorry, I don't really share them. Okay, cool. Thanks, man. Mm-hmm. That's, that's what I think about that. So I'm going to throw it at you. This is something you listed in our notes. Um, couple of, I think you can hit on these real quick for us. Join a club, make it social, and have a goal and a budget for training and gear. So why don't you touch on those couple of tips there? Um, well, so make it social. Um, you're not going to do anything if your boys aren't there. I mean, that's kind of, you want to go out and hang out with the guys and have a good time um, and be with like-minded people. I think, um, you know, finding yourself a club and some people to hang out with when you go and do that stuff will encourage you to stay on top of your game. Um, If you're going to a class with a friend, um, then it's just going to be a lot more fun. Um, And you'll have somebody there to kind of support you, especially if you, you know, you forget a spare magazine or something like that. You know, a lot of times you got uh, somebody that can kind of hook you up and take care of you. Uh, You got a travel buddy that you can get to this stuff with. Um, So making it social is something that kind of helps you to stay motivated to train Um, because pretty often people will start this, you know, and they'll get really into it. And then at some point they plateau and then they, they stop 
they stop attending. Um, and a, a good reason to keep yourself motivated and engaged is to be a part of a club. Uh, and then what was the next one? Uh, I'll, I'll respond to that real quick, yeah. and then I'll, I'll remind you the other thing. Some of my best friends now that I consider to be like my really, truly good friends have been those that I've met. Uh, in this community, in this industry, if you will. Uh, and by community, I mean like this community of, of like-minded folks that are getting out there and taking classes. Uh, we, I reconnected with, I mean, I see him every once in a while, uh, but we definitely communicate via text and messages, all uh, social media all the time. Uh, but I, I re- was a, re- able to reconnect with a, a friend last week at SHOT Show, just bumped into him. I'm like, hey, Paul. Hey, man, so good to see you. First time I met Paul was in a modern samurai project class in in Iowa, hmm. uh, you know, taught by Scott Jedlinski. And I just, I freaking love and adore Paul. He's a great, great guy, great dude, great shooter. Uh, we connected in that class. We've stayed in contact. And uh, I mean, think of him as a, as a dear friend. You know, it's really good to, you know, he's in Iowa. I'm here in Colorado. I mean, it's not like super, super far away, but it's not like I get to see him all that often. So, so some of the best people I've met and people I consider to be my friends have been people I've met in training classes. Uh, I could add to that also even, you know, going to shooting competitions and stuff too. But in the context of training, building that community, both just from a personal standpoint, has a lot of benefits because you just get to have really cool friends. Mm-hmm. But number two, it's also really beneficial to the overall training community. There are, as I travel the country a little bit and teach classes all over the place, I've observed there's certain pockets of the, of the country that have really cool and unique training communities. And a lot of times those de- are developed organically. I would say most of the time they are absolutely developed organically where people just start connecting, getting together, hosting instructors, taking classes, making each other better. And then those relationships continue. And it just like, it just, it's a snowball effect Mm -hmm. and just gets bigger and better and more awesome and brings more people in. Like all those are huge, huge, huge benefits. Uh, Yes, for everybody involved individually and on a personal level, but for the community, we're just so much better for it. And so as, as, a tip to you, you know, beginners, if you will. Again, I realize everybody listening or watching, this is not necessarily intended to be only for beginners, but this is the uncensored beginner's guide to training. Uh, you can, like, the, the, there is, there's a world without, um, like, there's endless possibilities, I, I think is what I'm trying to say, with respect to, like, what you put into it, you'll get out of it. And as we foster and create a community and training, like whatever that means to you, whatever that looks like, just just forging those friendships and those connections will have great implications on a personal level as well as on the community level. Yeah, I think uh, <clears throat> the thing I enjoy the most about being in the firearms industry, or, or at least this this job, is um, is getting to meet like just some absolute studs. Yeah, you know, just top quality men. Like these are dudes who are you know great fathers great husbands, great friends, and absolutely lethal, you know, just walking and oozing lethality and just a kind protector to their whole community, you know, and I really admire men like that. And I would like to surround myself with those types of men, percent. but those types of men kind of congregate in these types of communities. So if you want to be that, yep. go find those people, put them around you and become it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you're one of those dudes in my Thank community. you, Riley. I, I also view you as one of those dudes <laughs> in my life. Within my circle of trust. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, dude, solid. So the other thing was having 
goals and uh, and or a budget for training and gear. Yeah. I think, you know, it's important to have realistic goals for yourself. Uh, I tend to attack everything in my life with very unreal, unrealistic goals. You know, uh, when I first started, you know, my firearms training, I want to be John Wick. You know, I wanted to do all the cool stuff. And a lot of times you got to, you know, walk before you run. A lot of times you got to crawl before anything else, you know? Um, and this is where, you know, keeping your ego in check is important, you know, like recognizing where you are at in your skill levels. Um, pretty often I'll get people who I'm like, Hey, you need to take this fundamentals class. And they're like, nah, dude, I already took one of those. I'm like, well, I think you could really benefit from another one. Like, nah, I took it. I'm good. I don't need that anymore. Like, right. I take fundamentals class every chance I get. Um, I know, all the material, I can re- repeat it verbatim back to the instructor. But one of the good things about having a new instructor that you haven't taken a class from is you pick up a new tidbit. You know, I'm always picking up small critiques and tweaks to my shooting just because I'm taking a new fundamentals class from a new instructor. Yep. So um, having goals and recognizing where you're at and giving yourself, you know, hey, it's okay to slow down and not go so fast. Um, pretty often, that's I see that so much in new shooters. They want to go really, really fast. They see Riley shoot this drill, and they're like, they 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 try to do it, and everything goes to hell, right? But that's just how it tends to be. Yeah. Um, but if you can, you know, compensate for that ahead of time, um, then you don't have to deal with it. And then if you have a goal for your gear um, and a budget, then you can kind of prioritize. Um, the proper equipment for you to make the most out of your training. Um, how many often, how often do you see people show up at the uh, range with, you know, a, a bad holster mm-hmm. and that kind of thing? And you ask yep. them like, you know, um, it's better to get a good holster. And you're like, well, yep. I couldn't afford it. This is what I got for right now. And sometimes sure. you just got to make do, you know, you still got training right. to do as long as you're doing it safely. That's the most important part. So if you have an unsafe holster, then that's a no go. Um, right. But if you just have a, uh, uh, less expensive holster. Hey, you got to start somewhere. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Solid, solid thoughts there. I agree with all that. I mean, definitely as long as, uh, as long as things are safe, your equipment is safe, your gear is safe and acceptable for use, like whatever, you know, run what you brung, so to, so to speak. But, uh, you know, there's also benefits to be realized from upgrading gear and making some improvements, especially over time. Um, and that's how I did it. You know, I started in one place and I had, uh, certainly as I view it now, less ideal gear, uh, you know, years ago then than I, than I do now. Uh, but, uh, you know, so it's, it's, yeah, it's good to have a budget. Here's what I would say in, in to kind of touch or build on what you added. Number one, I would decide whatever goals are that you have. Um, I would say it's a good goal to at least take one quality, at least one full day. But honestly, I'd say like, if you can take the equivalent of two days of on the range live fire training, especially on the shooting perspective per year, that's a, that that's a good minimum goal to start from. I think a single one day class a year is like meh. Um, not that you have to take a, a single two day class. You know, maybe it's two classes that are each one day. You know, at a time, uh, spread out. Maybe a couple, you know, a few weeks or a couple months apart or whatever. But either way you should have a goal and you should at least be taking one really solid quality class per year. I feel, uh, if you're serious about this sort of thing and it it should be manageable, you're talking like maybe one weekend a year. If if that's all, if that's all you're doing one weekend a year, uh, might cost you a few hundred bucks. 
I think those are all very, very small prices to pay to get a lot of value out of it. But maybe you decide that, hey, I need, I, I want to take two classes a year, three classes a year, four classes a year, you know, once per quarter, whatever. Just decide what the goal is for you and what you're able to achieve. Make it realistic. Make it uh, reflect, you know, where you are in life currently. You got to have balance in life, of course. And then make sure your budget, your training budget, your ammunition budget also is in line with with those goals too. Um, the, and the other thing I would, I would add to that is I would not be afraid to spend good money for a good course. And I frankly believe you get what you pay for. There are some really amazing instructors out there that teach great classes that really don't cost that much. And I think frankly, those instructors a lot of times are undervaluing their own services, but that's up to them to decide. But where I feel like today, a good quality, like a really good quality class is priced at a lot of times is 400 bucks plus Mm -hmm. 400 bucks plus. And I know that some people are like, Oh man, like, 400 bucks, you know, where's that going to come from? Well, you know what? If all you can manage is one class a year and it costs you four or 500 bucks, you got a year to save up for it. And you can do that if you put your mind to it. It's not that much, you know, out of every paycheck or per month. I mean, per month, it's like less than 50 bucks a month. I think you can do it if it's important enough to you. Just my, but my other point to, th- to this is don't be afraid to spend several hundred dollars paying a quality instructor. Because in my experience, I have always gotten way more value in return. I've always felt like I got my money's worth. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes it feels like you're spending a lot of money. And keep in mind, I have traveled multiple times to classes where I was spending five, $600. In fact, there was one, I think the most expensive class I've paid was about $1,000 out of pocket. And I had to travel to it. So I had travel costs of getting there. Actually drove for that when I didn't fly. It would, you know, either way, it would have been several, several hundred dollars in in flights or or gas money, hotel expenditure, food along the way, all that stuff, right? So you're talking by the ammo course for that class was actually a pretty high uh, round count class. I think it was like eighteen hundred rounds or three days. Hmm. So you know, in today's prices, you're talking like a thousand dollar class. Let's say $1,000 just travel, hotel, maybe even more than that, depending on where it is and, and the kind of hotel you like to stay in. Uh, and then maybe, you know, another like five $600 in ammo is like $2,500 bucks mm-hmm. to take a two or three-day class. Guess what? I still feel like I got all my money's worth out of that, 100%. Yeah. Well, where there's a will, there's a way. I mean, if this is something you're dedicated to, you're going to make it happen. Yeah. And there's a lot of things that you can, I mean, a lot of this is we're trying to give you, you know, some tips for maximizing the return on that investment. Yep. If you're going to put out 2,500 bucks, you want to make sure you're getting as much out of that class as possible. You know, you're staying engaged and you're learning as much as you can. And one of the other benefits is not just the information that you're going to be gaining, but it's also the ability to do it live. You know, like there's yep. not a whole lot of places that you can go where you can move draw and shoot, you know, all at the same time, you know, very often you go to the range and they only want, you know, static one round at a time, every second and that kind of thing. So you're also paying for the facility to be able to run and move and shoot and have an instructor critique you live on how to do all that. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm not saying you have to spend, you know, a ton of money to get quality training, just that I know that for me, if 10, 15 years ago, if you'd said, Hey, you know, here's this great class taught by a phenomenal instructor and it's going to cost you $400 for two days. I would have been like, Whoa, I'm trying to set the expectation for, 
you know, our more entry level folks right here, right now, that it may seem like a lot, but it's worth it. But at the same time, if you do your research, you could probably find a quality instructor in your local area. Maybe, maybe it costs $200 for a two day class. You know, again, I think they're probably still undervaluing themselves. However, you can find great classes for less money. Just don't be afraid to spend where it's, where it's important enough to you and the class and the instructor is a good fit and a good match for what you're trying to learn and, and, uh, and, and where you're trying to get to as far as your next, uh, accomplishing your next goals yeah. so to that point. Actually, I've got one other thing I'm going to add real quick. Um, and then we'll, we'll go to that next point, which is, this was a, a tip I added here, which is please make sure that you read the course descriptions fully. It's asking a lot. I know. But I can't tell you how many times as an instructor, I've had students that show up to class and they're not, they're missing something that they should have brought. Uh, they, their expectations are mismanaged. Um, I explain with regards to my pistol intelligence course that it's not a beginner level class. Like it should not be the first class you've ever taken. It shouldn't. And yet I've got some people that have showed up, you know, not a lot, but a couple of them that it's pretty apparent that they're not quite, they weren't quite ready for, you know, my class. Now I still did everything I could to work with them. And, and I, I do believe I, you know, absolutely helped them grow because my goal is whoever shows up at my doorstep as, you know, as my students in my classes, my, regardless of who they are, where they are, as long as they have a good attitude, they're willing to learn and they're safe. I'm going to make sure they leave my class having accomplished, you know, those goals of, of improving themselves. But please read class descriptions fully. Okay. And bring everything they tell you to, and if there's something you don't have, you better go buy it. Or you better be communicating with that instructor and saying, "Hey, I saw you listed this, but this, but I have this other thing. Does that is that also going to work, or do I need something else?" Like, just make sure you have all the necessary gear that the instructor tells you you're going to need, that you're prepared in the way you, that you need to be prepared. I've had students show up to classes where in the class description because we are 35 minutes from the nearest place you can find decent food, and I say in my class description, "Hey, be prepared to bring a lunch with you for both days that you can eat." At the range. And then what happens? On day one, they show up. They're like, oh, uh, I need to run into town to get something to eat. And town's 30 plus minutes away. Yeah. When you only have an hour, you know, lunch to work with, that doesn't work really well. So, <laughs> uh, so make sure you read descriptions. Make sure you're abiding by what the instructor tells you that that class is either all about and or the required gear for that class. Along with that, it's always a good idea to have backups by that i mean if you have a gun in class and, and if you have and can and or can afford a backup gun not necessarily like a backup and that you're carrying like a pocket gun or a backup gun just a gun that can that you can fall back to if the gun you were primarily using in class goes down i mean certainly we try to get that gun up and running again if we can but it's sometimes really convenient when you know you're like hey that gun's not working you got a backup yep no problem grab the backup we're back up and running no big deal because if you have problems with guns, problems with other gear, problems with ammunition, well, that's another point. Buy decent quality ammunition. It doesn't have to be the best quality. It just needs to be good quality that's going to work, work, work reliably in your gun. Because a couple of things that will absolutely be detrimental to your, to your learning on the range is a gun that's not functioning, ammo that's not functioning, crappy gear that's not functioning. Mm -hmm. So, Or gear that you forgot at home extremely frustrating that has happened to me many times yeah. and it's so upsetting to watch everybody else play while you get to sit there and watch yep not fun at all and if you're if you want bonus points uh even as a student where possible it's not always possible because like if i'm flying to go take a class somewhere 
I might be restricted as far as what I can take with me, mm-hmm. but I often try to have extra ammo and extra guns and extra mags and even extra holsters that I often travel with, even as a student. I do that as an instructor where I can, but I've even done that as a student because I've had fellow class members in the class, fellow students where they had a problem with a gun. It's like, Hey, cool. Guess what? I've, I've got a spare, you know, one in, in the, in the, in the gun, in the range bag there, mm-hmm. you know, we get them set up, they're back up and running. No big deal. That's, that's bonus points. If you want to be a really awesome friend to your fellow <laughs> students. All right. The thing I said we were put a pin in and we need to come back to and probably end at this. I think the, we talked about finding a good instructor, but I think it's important that we choose and select good courses that are a good fit for us, whoever us is, wherever you are. Like it's important, I think, to choose good classes that are a good fit for you. What do you think about that? Yeah. Classes that are a good fit for you. I think you part of that and reading that good description and making sure that you can deal with it. Um, I, one of the most important things that I've seen, um, I mean, imagine we'll get to this in the range portion of whenever we do this next in the series, but um, making sure that you're physically fit enough yeah, to handle, you know, the, the stringent, issues. I know pretty often we'll have somebody that comes into the class and maybe they're just getting over a serious illness or maybe they're just, they don't, they're not used to moving very often, you know, and they get out there and they start to try to do um, some of these shooting techniques and drills and they are just wiped. Um, So making sure that you're picking a class that isn't outside of your physical fitness level is is important as well. But if you feel like, Hey, there's a class that I want to do, but I don't feel like I'm physically fit enough. Hey, here's your motivation, you know, get out there and start, you know, I'm putting in some work here so that you can get to those classes because I mean, what are we doing here? We're learning how to fight. This is combat, you know, and you need to have as fit a body as you can possibly have. You might not have a Navy SEAL fitness body, but you can be as fit as you can be, you know, so that whenever something crazy pops off, you can handle it as good as you can, you know? So, you know, uh, thinking about, um, these classes and why we're learning these skills and teaching ourselves, you know, those techniques for getting ourselves better for, you know, fitness is going to be pretty important. Yep. That's a really great tip. Uh, I, I'm reminded of the class I took with Dave Spaulding <laughs> of handgun combatives a few years back. It was called Kin- kinetic pistol. Mm. And it was a class. Was, I mean, almost the whole class was done with movement involved uh, sometimes moving and then shooting, uh, shooting, then moving, Moving while shooting. I mean, it's like the whole class is all about basically movement incorporated into shooting. And it was physically, I mean, there were times where you're just running back and forth and back and forth and back and forth, you know, at a full sprint even. Uh, yeah, that would definitely be a class that would be very difficult for someone that had some some physical limitations. So really a solid point. And again, a lot of these times, a lot of times these sorts of things are going to be in the class description as far mm-hmm. as what it's about what you're doing, what you're expected to do, maybe special physical requirements that may be necessary. So that's why you got to read the description of the class to that. um, I'll add that it's, I think for you to choose the right classes for you, for you to get the most benefit out of, you need to have an honest conversation with yourself about what your goals are. Okay. What are you looking to achieve? Uh, I, I know I've met students in classes, fellow students, or had students that took classes from me where it's very apparent that it was basically for fun. And that's okay too. If that's the goal is to have fun, shoot guns, that's fine. Like that's totally it's fine. America, right? <laughs> you know, like totally cool. fine to do that. It's it's great to have fun <clears throat> and shoot guns. Um, but also, you know, so if that's if that's it, fine, whatever. 
but maybe your goal is to, um, you know, become a better protector and defender, you know, well then why are you taking, I don't know. I mean, actually there could be maybe a case to be made for some competition type classes, but, but you might, you know, the point is, is like, what are your goals? What are you looking to achieve? And then choose classes that align with those goals. Mm-hmm. Right. I sometimes get branded as a competition shooter and a competition teacher, which I understand why, because that is where a huge part of my personal focus is. And a lot of the biggest lessons I've learned about how to shoot really well and efficiently has come because of growth discovered on the competition shooting range. Mm-hmm. However, like what I tell people is what I teach. I teach a, it's a shooting course. It's all about how to get better shooting period. And so whether you're a competitive person or a defensive oriented person, it shouldn't matter. Like both stand to gain or to, to get benefit from what I teach in a pure shooting course. But yet I have some people that have told me that they were hesitant about signing up for my course because they're like, well, it seemed like this is more of a competition thing. I'm like, no, like you're thinking defensive. And that's why if you read the course description, it doesn't say anything at all about this is a competition shooting class or a competition oriented class. Like this is about getting better as a shooter, period. And so I'm I'm just using it as an example of that's where sometimes we miss the mark with um, not aligning, you know, certain classes with our goals. We need to know what those are. We need to understand what the classes need to read the description. We need to know what our goals are. I know I've had people show up at class and they don't even know what their personal goals are. And if I, and I actually, I begin each class by basically, Hey, let's get to know each other. What's your name? Tell us a little bit about your background. Why are you here? And I know I can identify the ones that don't exactly know why they're here. And it's usually a response that kind of goes like this. Whoa, I just want to get faster and more accurate shooting. Okay. Not, I mean, that's not a bad goal. I mean, we all want to get faster and more accurate, right? Mm -hmm. However, that's, that's a lazy catch all, uh, you know, answer of, Oh, I just want to get better and faster at shooting. Yeah. Okay. I think you might, might want to dig a little bit deeper on that and find out really what are your goals? What are you looking to accomplish? And then choose classes that align with that. Super, super important. Okay. I think it's also important. Like for instance, if you're truly serious uh, about becoming the best prepared defender that you can be, then you need to be honest with yourself and recognize that only taking certain types of classes is a bit limiting. This is true. And wanting to broaden out and do, you know, get into, you know, you need to make sure you understand the law. So take some legal training. Okay. Uh, you need to probably understand other avenues of defense. Less medical. lethal. Medical. I was going to get there. <laughs> medical. Uh, uh, combatives. Okay. Like if you're serious about defensive work, well, then these are all things <laughs> that are a part of defensive. But then you're only taking a shooting class all the time. Okay. That's not bad. It's just that you're also missing all these other opportunities that make you a better defender. That's why you need to be honest with yourself, your goals, and then creating a plan of, okay, I'm going to train with this class, with this person, and this class, with this person, this, you know, so you're getting all those things that are important to you to accomplish your goal. I think that's important. You know, like when you're trying to pick your class, we'll probably talk about that in a little bit, but don't just pick things that you're good at. Yes. Pick all the things that you're bad at. You know, like if you are a banging you know, 
pistol shooter, you know, maybe you need to take some combatives, maybe a medical class, you know, shore up those areas. Combat is an incredibly dynamic and complicated topic. You know, there's, there's a lot of different things that you need to know. Um, And you can't just stay in one category or else, you know, you're not hitting it all. There you go. I think it's a good place to kind of wrap it up. And to that point, guess what? Where is one place where you can get training in all these sorts of things that we just discussed? Guardian Conference? Yeah. There's this thing called this Guardian Conference in Oklahoma City, September 20th to the 22nd of 2024. Oklahoma City Gun Club, a fabulous, beautiful, amazing range that hosts us for this. I got a class there. You got a class there? Yeah. I mean, imagine that. I'm teaching shooting stuff. You're teaching medical stuff. Mm -hmm. We got dudes teaching shotgun stuff now, as we mentioned. AR-15 carbine work, combatives, legal, combatives, uh, force on force. Uh, I know I'm, OC spray and other less lethal options. Tons of great classes, all in one place, three days, very reasonably and affordably priced. I know because I mean, I mean, it, yes, you're going to be like, oh, well, that's still a lot of money. However, to do all those same things, you'd spend a lot, lot more. And this is in one location for three days with an amazing community Mm -hmm. of people. So we hope to see you at the 2024 Guardian Conference, guardianconference.com. And again, if you're just looking to get into a class, uh, and you can search on the website at class.concealedcarry.com. Uh, you can choose by your area. You can find classes that are located close to you, uh, concealed carry class, uh, other defensive pistol type class, uh, pistol intelligence class with me, whatever it is, go to class.concealedcarry.com and sign up for training there. Thank you for being a part of this episode with us here today. Hope you got something out of it, some takeaways. Hopefully you're feeling a little bit better prepared especially on the mindset you know, side of things and, and just kind of knowing the things to look for and, and how to make sure you're choosing the best instructors and the best classes that help you get to where you want to be as a shooter and as a self-defender. Yeah. Anything else, Brian? No, I think that's all gold. I love it. Let us know uh, how you feel about it. Sounds good. So guys, until next time, a reminder to train right, train often, and train safe so you can fight hard, fight fast, and fight true. Take care. A reminder that laws vary from place to place, and we encourage listeners to seek local legal advice to understand applicable laws. Concealed Carry Inc., its brands and properties, and the Concealed Carry Podcast is not a legal service, nor are we attorneys at law. We make our best faith effort to share concealed carry-related insights and information about firearm-related incidents and the laws pertaining based on our own understanding and experience. But things can be different where you live, or laws may have changed by the time you listen to this. We cannot be held liable for your actions based on the information shared in this podcast. Please exercise care with all things pertaining to firearm use, concealed carry, and always practice following basic firearm safety rules. More information about safety can be found at concealedcarry.com forward slash safety.